This is John and Robin Voiles of Celebrate Libraries. Today we are in Beloit, Wisconsin, speaking with Nick DeMassis, director of Beloit Public Library. Beloit is located on the Illinois state line in the southeastern corner of Wisconsin. Settled in the 19th century along the Rock River, Beloit has a long history as an industrial city. It is also home to Beloit College, founded in 1846. In this interview, Director DeMassis will talk about the rebirth of Beloit's downtown, community partnerships, the future of Beloit Public Library, and the continuing usefulness of books printed on paper. Nick DeMassis, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks very much for visiting. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I just wanted to start off uh, talking a little bit about you and, and the library. So could you share how long you've been... Uh, working here at, uh, as director of the library. Sure. At Beloit Public Library, uh, it'll be two years uh, coming up in, in just a month here. And then uh, prior, to, prior to coming to Wisconsin and to Beloit, I was in uh, the Twin Cities oh, right. and had experience with uh, several different kinds of systems, both uh, academic libraries, county library system, and a regional library, six-county regional library system. Uh, I've also had the good fortune, I think, of really uh, occupying every position that there is in the library. I started out as a page in, uh, at the Minneapolis Public Library and then uh, worked progressively through other positions, got my master's degree, and uh, discovered that I was a much better manager uh, than I was a librarian, and so uh, switched over to the management side of things mm -hmm. and uh, library or assistant library director and then uh, library director at a couple of uh, different uh, organizations, and it's been fabulous. So, born to be an administrator? I think so. I think so. You know, you, you learn what your skills are mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and what they aren't, and uh, if, if you're out to uh, you know, help the organization in the best way it can, what's the best fit, mm -hmm. um, that's certainly what has led me into the uh, leadership positions of, of director. Well, what is it about libraries that you felt um, uh, drawn to uh, in a career sense? Yeah, I think, you know, it's probably pretty typical in terms of that the library occupies a very special place in the community for people, mm -hmm. uh, and it's there throughout their whole life. And so they have memories of the library as a child. Mm -hmm. uh, the library comes back to them usually when they are themselves a young parent and how it helps their children. And then, uh, um, you know, from there on out, and then as they get older and maybe have a little more time, mm -hmm. uh, they, come, they come back to the library uh, in different and unique ways. And really, so the library, I mean, our three focal, uh, <coughs> focal areas here at the Beloit Public Library mm -hmm. are literacy, jobs and careers, and quality of life. And in a sense, that's kind of the lifespan, literacy. It's so, you know, early, early childhood yes. literacy is absolutely mm -hmm. critical. Mm -hmm. And then they move into the jobs and careers and making sure that the libraries are there mm -hmm. uh, to be able to provide them the resources and the skills training. And then quality of life. Uh, and a lot of times that is when, uh, you know, as you're older and you get back and you can start to sit back and enjoy some of the things that the sure. community has to offer, and we want to make sure the library is there as well. What are some of the strengths of, uh, you feel, of uh, Beloit Public Library? The Beloit Public Library, I think the strength, especially right now, is that Beloit itself mm -hmm. is undergoing a renaissance of sorts. Uh, it's almost sort of a third wave uh, of Beloit, uh, in the 70s and 80s, like many uh, manufacturing towns and mm -hmm. steel kind of based towns, 
you know, started uh, started to go down a bit in employment. Some of the jobs went away and that sort of thing. And then the, the infrastructure, the buildings, the, the, the parks, the riverfront started to reflect that. Mm. And uh, But then citizens came together and uh, business leaders and said, we got to do something about this because nobody else is. And so that first group really cleaned up the, the riverfront. Uh, it took down old buildings. It created the park, a uh, mile-long park along the river. And then a kind of a second wave came along, and they started to say, how do we animate Beloit now? And uh, there's a farmer's market that's the second mm-hmm. largest in the state of Wisconsin, only behind Madison. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so things like that, a, a f- uh, music festival, and now the Beloit International Film Festival. So starting to animate the city. And now we're moving right now into kind of a third wave and, and that is connections, really connecting. How can we get small conferences here? How do we get people from that recruitment for uh, employment and that? So you can see, uh, to get back to your question of, of the how is Beloit's, what's Beloit's role mm-hmm. and how is it special, is it touches on all of that. It's really create, helping to create an environment that is going to attract jobs, attract families. You're, you're partnering then, in a sense, with, with organizations within the community. Absolutely. And whether it's uh, here in Beloit or elsewhere, libraries and partnerships mm-hmm. and collaboration are absolutely key. Funders, whether public or private, that's what they want to hear, is that mm-hmm. there's partnerships. Yes. And so uh, Beloit being what it is, uh, sort of an underdog uh, you know, feel to it all along, and uh, uh, has to rely on collaboration and partnerships and always has. And so it's kind of built into the DNA that we look around and try to say, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make things better? And so the library is definitely playing a role in that, in leadership position, but also just uh, through partnerships. How about, for example, uh, Beloit College, do you have programs that that are connected with them in some way? Beloit College, yeah. We just got done finished with a big read, uh, which is community-wide, and we did Into the Beautiful North. And uh, Mm -hmm. we have a large, uh, it's not quite one-third, 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 but uh, white, Hispanic, and uh, African-American population here. So it's very diverse, extremely uh, diverse for and uh, in this uh, city of about 37,000. Mm-hmm. And so the Hispanic population has grown uh, about 500% since 2005, I believe. And so the issues within Into the Beautiful North uh, uh, really resonated. And so we collaborated with the college on this Big Read program, as well as the school district, mm-hmm. as well as the school district of South Beloit. Uh, and mm-hmm. and the, our library and the library of South Beloit were a state line city. Yes. So the state line cuts right through, and that's why you have Beloit and South Beloit. So so that's one partnership. We have internships here, hmm. uh, students for uh, Beloit College that come here and learn, and we just recently had one through our program who is now going to be going to library school. So, right. you know, victory, right? Victory yes. there for one. Hmm. But it's that partnership, it's that connection with the college. Um, I'll say one of our most exciting partnerships right now is with the high school. And it's the culinary arts program, the hospitality program. Mm -hmm. And so what we're creating here is we're building a a blender. It's called the Blender Cafe, the Blender Learning Cafe. And we're repurposing one of our programming rooms that sits right in the front uh, and into a cafe. And so the staff for that cafe is going to be the students at the high school hospitality program. Uh, When is that uh, planning to open? And that the planning construction begins in January, okay. and March first is our is our goal. Okay. And so we'll be a feeder system 
for the students in that hospitality program to get them out of their, you know, right now they're at the high school, it's kind of an incubator, yes. you know, of yes. them learning in the kitchen and the cooking. And mm-hmm. now this is going to be an opportunity to get them into a real world setting, customer service, attitude, behavior, you know, yeah. some of those skills that whether they go into the hospitality industry sure. or any other industry, it's going to be skills uh, that they're going to need that they're going to need to have, and that employees are asking for. Absolutely. And I'll say that partnership—it's actually a three-way partnership right now. Uh, so it's the library, the high school, and then Carry Ingredients, which is an international um, billion-dollar international uh, food corporation. Okay. And uh, and they, when they heard about this, they said, "This is just what we want. We want to get our food scientists out of the building and into the community." And so they're going to be providing some training, but they're also going to be providing programming. So it's something that we're really excited about, and it's that whole idea of partnerships. Yes. And how if we got to get it done, and how can we all you know, move Beloit itself forward? You mentioned programming um, in relation to this. Where do your programming ideas come from? Uh, this idea or, or just uh, gen- programming you do uh, in general in the library? Is this... Uh, are these ideas generated in-house? Do they come from a, a library system? Um, yeah, that's a great question. And I think it gets to the heart of library leadership uh, today. And what, um, whether directors or anyone else in, a li- in the library organizer hierarchy or org chart, mm-hmm. uh, really has to focus on now. And I would say the key thing is we've gotten our ideas by listening, by being out into the community and getting into the community conversations wherever they are, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the business, whether it's the education, and just really listening to what is it that people, where's their need, yes. and how can we identify that need and help to fill it. Yes. And so that's where really this uh, has come from because I'll, in terms of the hospitality program, mm-hmm. there's a real push, and the business already has a set for the industrial arts and they have large welding machines over there and a strong program. And then they place those students in some of the manufacturing companies around. So in a sense, we're not inventing it. Right. We're really saying, here's another, here's another channel, here's another river for um, these students to, to succeed and get ahead. Okay. And it fits with what we wanted to do and a lot of our goals. What this cafe is going to do, it'll bring more people into the library. Uh, we're saying it's a destination spot. So it's not just an amenity because it's going to be soup, salad, sandwich. This is a full cafe. It's not just a couple of air pots, you know, sitting at the front door. And and we're going all out. And you know, there's a lot of risk involved in that. But sure. but we have strong partnerships. And so it's to get more people into the library. Mm-hmm. But really, if they just come for the cafe, mm-hmm. we're going to say that's fine. And then they might peek around the corner now and then and and start to see what else uh, we have to offer. We can also integrate our programming with the cafe. Something as simple, story time ends at noon on Saturday. Well, gee, that's lunchtime, you know, and then have some some way to entice them into there. Um, So we just think think there's a lot of really good reasons. Animate the front of our building, make it more welcoming, seeing people in there. and, and, and that's, that's really the key to partnership and collaboration is how many people can you bring in and everybody benefits. Is this connected at all with the film festival then? Will there be some, I mean, any kind of relationship? I mean, I just see it as a... 
it's a great partnership with that and the cafe and yeah. the interacting. The, uh, the film festival, we do have another partnership that we're building on recent and actually uh, coming up we have a fundraiser with, which is BIF, Beloit International Film Festival. And uh, collaborating, we've been talking about it for about a year and a half and just trying to figure out how we can partner, like you say, in the best way. And uh, so that's one thing we're doing together with the possibility of maybe hosting their silent film. They have one silent film at the end of their festival every year. and that. So we are looking to um, increase partnerships that way. Good. Um, you're part of what library system? Arrowhead Library System. Okay, Arrowhead. Yeah, so in Wisconsin there's 17 library systems, okay. and we're a one-county library system, Arrowhead. Is there a, is one of the libraries sort of the, the lead resource for the system or you know uh, it, not not really I mean there are resource libraries um, that you know I could describe but it's it's almost it's an older role like reference oh, because the smaller sure. libraries and they'd have to pick up the phone and call them and say you know how high is Mount McKinley oh let me look that up you know and okay. they had the resources for it and that's oh. Janesville okay so that role has changed in different ways, mm-hmm. and has I, I suppose the role has diminished. It's still an important role, but it's not the same kind of role that it once was. Then what is the what is the relationship? What does what does being uh, a member of uh, the Arrowhead do for Beloit? Okay, there's there's an administrative unit of the Arrowhead Library System, okay. and what they do is they coordinate all of the interlibrary uh, materials yes. moving between the libraries. Okay. So anyone, if you live in Beloit, you have access to any book on any of the shelves of the other seven libraries, and the regional system moves that. Okay. Now, you also have access to any book on any shelf in Wisconsin uh, by virtue of the 17 systems and the network that uh, Wisconsin has, which is very... Um, we enjoy a very strong network of libraries uh, system here in, in Wisconsin. You know, I heard something really interesting recently. Um, there's barbershops, and I'm not sure which community, if this was in Canada or hmm. if it was in the States, um, but they were talking about how they partner with their local libraries with children, and they get their haircuts if they come in and they get a book from the library and they read to the barber while they hmm. get their haircut. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any small partners, partnerships with smaller businesses. So, childhood. Promoted childhood literacy. Yeah. But, you know, Sister, really, I think it was such a profound connection, these small businesses also really being connected. I'm wondering if what you heard about was actually in, uh, in Iowa, and at least that's the one that got a lot of publicity. I think it was he was in Des Moines or Dubuque. And when we saw that, um, and this was about a year ago that that article was there, and so we saw that and we said, Let's do this, because what does it take, right? And uh, so Andrea got on it, and she went and asked some different barbers, and who we really connected with is the, uh, the college. Or, I'm sorry, not the, not the Beloit College. It's the, the uh, hair college. Oh, and right. so they're training, right, next generation sure. uh, yes. barbers and that. And uh, so they said, oh, this is great. This is great, and let's do it. And so it's happened twice now. It was last August and then, well, and then just last August. And uh, so, so exactly what you're saying is they were right in, you sit in the chair, you read, and then um, you got to take a book too. And that. So it is, you know, that's a really good point too in terms of the library not just being, okay, come to us, 
come to us. You know, here we are. We got shelves of books. We got program, but really trying to say we want to come to you. We want to come to you. And you know, traditionally, obviously, the bookmobile. I mean, so again, a lot of what libraries do is not re. Um, we're not inventing anything new. It may be reinventing how we deliver it a bit. And and so whereas the bookmobile did that in the past. Um, how can we get out into the community and do that? And so that connecting with the hair, the hair college is one way. Um, we also have a strong program, ABC Play Groups, which grew out of a a federally granted kind of pilot project mm-hmm. that we had one year, and we said let's keep this going. We expanded our partnerships, have created uh, a uh, kind of a kit. And other libraries are going to be able to um, uh, take that kit or duplicate that kit and and be able to go out into their community. So it was with daycare centers. It was with um, uh, some of the community centers that are in town and that sort of thing. Uh, Beloit Library has? Beloit Library. And then in partnership with the YMCA, with the school district, with State Line Literacy Council. So really trying to say we're all in this together. Yes. And we can't all be going in on our own. Um, how can we increase our collaboration? A lot of people um, talk about uh, eliminating duplication. And the way I've sort of been countering that is saying, we're not, let's not talk about eliminating duplication, let's talk about increasing collaboration. Because there are some things that are duplicated that we may want to continue duplicated mm-hmm. as long as we're coordinating. Sure. You know, that we're building on each other and not saying, okay, well, we got early literacy, so why is anybody else doing it? No. It's how can we make sure that we're in coordination so that as many people can take advantage of that as possible. We've kind of talked a bit about where libraries transform, but uh, the way libraries are transforming in in this new century, you've talked about the partnerships, um, some of the things the library... Are there other things that that you would touch on uh, as far as uh, the way libraries have changed and will continue to change, maybe even what you may see in the future. Sure. The uh, um, two of the areas that have been most significantly um, affected, I guess, by the Internet are really the reference aspect to libraries Mm -hmm. that, you know, we sit at the desk and we're a pile of knowledge Mm -hmm. and then we have the more knowledge at our fingertips. Uh, So the reference aspect to it and then also things like periodicals the serials, the newspapers, the magazines, and to a degree, uh, the books. Um, so looking out in the future, one thing is is this idea that print is going to be completely replaced. Um, I've always felt that's not true. That's not going to happen. 500 years of print is for a reason. Um, but what's going to happen is the ratio is going to change, and it's really going to be up to people to decide what they want to use. And we've seen you know the sky. You know, I mean, it just takes off the e-books and the and mm-hmm. the and the e-readers and and uh, the sales of those devices. Yes. But then it's also plateaued lately uh, because you had your first. You know, the 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 people that first wanted to jump in and use it, mm-hmm. and now it's kind of plateaued. And in fact, in the last year or two, print sales have increased in that. So again, it's the ratio. Um, and what libraries need to do is be careful that. You know, at first that we didn't go into digital denial, and then now we're into you know print denial uh, and 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 reject these things, but rather just see it as the ratios changing. And they've even had where you know what do 
uh, teenagers like to read, and you know that it's a lot uh, that print. Uh, and that's not an absolute, but it's you know as they start to really get the feedback now that they we've had some time with these different formats, is that there hasn't been a huge rush to eliminate print or a huge rush towards digital yes. and to cast off print. And so again, it's it's that ratio. And then also now there's struggles with well, how do you how do you if the um, you know the platform's changing, uh, how do you how do you keep what you've now digitized? And if the devices can no longer, right? I mean, you know, we've been, whether it was eight track to cassette, to the, all that kind of stuff. Now in the digital, it's still struggling with those same things. So even if eventually way down the road it happens, that's when it's going to happen is way down the road. We still move, um, you know, ha- nearly half a million items a year. And 3% of that is digital, three to five. And that, I think, reflects a lot kind of a nationally and what a lot of libraries face. Some are a little higher, but it isn't 90% digital and 10% print. It's going to be a long time. So if, if maybe there's not as much of a um, focus on print now or in the near future, do you find that you're moving out books, creating space, using space within the library, the floor plan, for other things? You did mention the cafe. Mm-hmm. But... Do you find that you're, are, are you moving out enough books that you are like creating new study rooms or anything like that? Right, right. That uh, Beloit Public Library, because this is, it's situated in a former mall, mm-hmm. and in particular a former J.C. Penney's, oh, okay. is, it, is a, it was a very large box that they uh, were able to put this library in. And because it was already, you know, quadrupling in the size of the former public space that it had, we have seven to 8,000 square feet of empty, shelled out, okay. ready-to-be, uh, you know, converted space mm-hmm. uh, on the first floor and four to 5,000 on the second floor. So we haven't had to, we haven't come to that, you know, that tension of yes. what are we going to do? Do we start jettisoning books and that? So what that, what that means is... And one of the things that attracted me here to uh, the Boy Public Library is this space, uh, number one, that we can grow into it uh, at at whatever pace we needed to. But it also meant we didn't have to necessarily make those really tough emotional decisions. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to move the library forward in a direction that was at the expense of books on shelves. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so I so basically to answer your question, mm-hmm. we've we've we have this uh, window, or we've kicked that question down the road. Okay. Um, but it's a very good one because it also gets to the idea that print is not so precious anymore. People still want to use it, but it's not as precious as it once was. That the only way you could get that information was in print. And so while we have these materials on the shelves, mm-hmm. we also have some flexibility to reduce the collection right. at whatever pace, at whatever the community need is, um, ensuring that they're still available, whether in digital or in print. What's your, um, thank you, what's your yeah. square footage here? Uh, we have uh, uh, 55,000 square 55, feet. 55,000, yeah. okay. I have, I'd like to touch on something that's been intriguing since we've started this a year ago. I've noticed, as you talked about the changing demographics in your community, um, we've noticed it in Green Bay also. When we were first married, 
um, it was really the second or the first wave of um, Vietnamese immigrants. No, Hmong people. Mm -hmm. And John asked a really poignant question in the interview. I thought, as we were talking with Mary Jane, the archivist who had been there for almost 40 years, she talked about, we said, well, do you have the Hmong collection now or the Hmong archives? She said, that's an interesting question. No, we don't. But it's something that she wants to build upon before she leaves for her legacy. And I think, as I reflect back and I tell you the story about my ancestors being the first immigrants in New Berlin and my grand, um, second or third great-grandfather bringing in the first books from Germany, within the township that he lived in, we were fortunate in these diaries that they kept. Uh, because you have the English settlers and you have the Irish settlers and you have the German settlers and the German are still speaking the German. And, but the library, as they, the three or four diaries that they kept, they begin to pull the communities together. Mm -hmm. And it seems like the library is always going through that transitional period. It waves. And as you talked about, as we were in the Somali um, immigrants now who are in Green Bay and what you know, you can see that transition and how important the space is to bring their their children in. They were talking about the Hmong population and now their children, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, really had difficulty in the education program, but the library coming together, and they are the top students within the Green Bay School District. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was really important to talk about, bringing those... The different groups. The different, and, right. as you're transitioning now with the different communities you spoke of, right. how does this become a catalyst? Do you provide ESL classes here at the library? We don't provide ESL, um, but we do have, we have bilingual story times. Um, we also have a, a, a strong uh, Spanish language collection, okay. and uh, both for adults and then in the children's area. And then, as I said, with the big read book that was selected, and that was really an opportunity to reach out and try to embrace, you know, everyone in the community and the conversations and that. Um, it, conversations, you know, that are, are very positive. Uh, not, not necessarily trying to, you know, cure all of the, uh, you know, tensions and that, but really just how can we as a library really uh, reach out in a positive way and, and bring everyone together. And that just ended, that, that uh, month-long program, and it was fabulous. Okay. And... Um, so in addition to that, we also have school, uh, third graders from all the schools once a year are bussed in. Uh, our friends group pays for that. That's their sponsoring and volunteers and, and some other programs to make sure that we're uh, encouraging or uh, even um, you know, raising the visibility of the library to whatever generation, uh, each generation of kids as, they, as they're in the third grade is the one that's selected. Um, the other, and as you were saying too, with different uh, demographics, you know, the African American community ha has been here for over a hundred years. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a strong pro uh, program with um, providing opportunities for um, uh, residents of Mississippi to come up and work in oh, really? the manufacturing plants here. Mm -hmm. And so there's a very vibrant and, and strong history, rich history of the African American community here. Yes. And the Hispanic now, is the new uh, immigrant, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a cohort, and that's grown very, uh, very rapidly. And then so reaching out to them is, is important. And it's also enlightening, uh, you know, the time of day. You know, we think that 
having a program at a certain time of day. Well, that's what you do, obviously. Um, but what I'm hearing fr- uh, f- from that community is, you know, well, we don't really get started until later in the evening. And and so then now that changes how we look at programming uh, in the evening. Yeah, yeah. And then also what you know what's the literacy level of the parents, mm-hmm. and that's something else that uh, you know we look at. And how can we make sure that the parents and the children are learning at the same, uh, learning together, mm-hmm. and that and not assuming that there's whatever is uh, you know a home culture yes. that that we assume is happening. So if we just focus on the kids and so we're also doing that and that's part of our ABC play group is getting parents and children together. So they take that home. Great. I'm thinking about, uh, kind of winding down my questions, Robin, do you have something I'd like to offer Nick then the opportunity if we haven't covered anything that he might want to talk about. But my own thing is every time we come to a new library, there's almost goosebumps because everything that you've said today, it's just so affirming that the community is moving into the future in such a bright way. And I can't, it's just every time we come, it's a privilege. Very positive message. The library is such a hub, such an asset to the, to every community. Mm-hmm. It's just. I w- you know, and I, so many people out in our communities really aren't aware of what you have to offer. I hope that we can somehow bring this together when John cuts my voice out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the, the visibility is is an aspect we have long talked about. Mm-hmm. Libraries, if people only knew. Yes. Uh, and that, and so that it's an ongoing perennial uh, uh, issue, uh, mm-hmm. objective, goal. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is very important to us. And when I... Uh, um, when I was being considered for this position, that's something that we had... Uh, lengthy discussion on is this director doesn't need to sit at the reference desk. We need a director that's going to be out in the community. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I said that is exactly what I want. And so it's been a great fit that way. And so pushing it out, pushing the visibility out into, of the library into the community, and it's resulted in things like uh, uh, hot spots uh, with a focus on homeless students. Correct. Kids are given iPads now at the schools. Yes. Not all of them go home and have a connection to be able to do their homework or whatever. Some of them don't have a home necessarily to go home to. And so we're partnering uh, with them on that. And that's caught the attention at the state level, too. And we're in some discussions. How can we expand uh, on this program? Tablet one-on-one. We've had computer classes. Mm-hmm. Nobody shows up. Well, let's instead, you know, you, what is the need that's actually being? And so we just set a table by that front door, have one of our staff members there, tablet one-on-one, come in, point of need, and, and, uh, and, that has, um, and that's been successful as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll just leave it on one note is uh, we're having an audio con. Mm-hmm. And this came out of a discussion. We have a, a patron who has, uh, um, you know, vision, strong, vision problems. Sure. And she's losing her eyesight. And, uh, and so she buys up audiobooks from the local uh, Barnes & Noble here. And then she listens to them and she donates them, you know, by the wheelbarrow full to the library. That's all wonderful. But it got us started thinking about how can we take advantage? Here's someone that's, you know, really wants that kind of um, literacy, that kind of connection, that kind of enjoyment. 
And we said, let's have an audio con. What if we invited some narrators in? What if we set up a booth where people could narrate, you know, sections of book? That, what if we had as a competition? And we really started getting and decided this is kind of a carnival-like atmosphere. And let's do that. So on April 1st, fitting, I guess, for a carnival, uh, April 1st of 2017, we have the very first audio con happening. And the vendors and have have really bought into this. They're providing a few of the narrators. And we just think it's really exciting because, again, it's taking advantage of the digital. Yes. But it's also going back to the original of story. And story before there ever was print was oral. And, exactly. and so, you know, really closing that gap. And so we're really excited about that. We think that's going to be a lot of fun and that there will be a big... A uh, big reception to that. So the old, the new, the digital, the print, the oral—it's uh, all coming together, and and it's all kind of the the library uh, moving forward. Excellent. Well, Nick, I want to thank you very much for taking the time today um, and speaking with us. I appreciate it, telling us all about uh, the White Public Library. Uh, and this has been uh, John and Robin Voyles of Celebrate Libraries speaking today with Nick Damasis, uh, Library Director at Beloit Public Library. This has been a New Ways to Dream production.